0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: LeBron James, a shot in history. up uh-huh.
0: nice the, uh-huh. the 17th NBA championship.
1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com podcast, and it's game day. Lakers versus Mavs. That's right. The in season tournament, it's over. The Lakers, they are the champs. Now it's back to regular season play, and the Lakers get a chance to pick up a win against the Mavs tonight. I'm going to break down that matchup in just a bit. We've got some news to talk about as well. A big update on Gabe Vincent and his health. We'll also talk a little bit about the fallout from the in-season tournament and a banner being raised. Is this really a good idea? We'll talk about that as well, plus the growth and and development that we've seen from this Lakers team and a lot more on today's show In case you are new here, my name is Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane, Instagram and threads at Trevor Lane NBA. Let's start things off today with this. Let's get into the whole banner topic. Let's start there. By the way, anybody who's new, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, YouTube.com slash Lakers Nation, please do so. Uh, It was announced that the Lakers will indeed be raising an in-season tournament banner. And as you can imagine, that got quite a reaction from social media, a lot of fans reacting one way or another, a lot of non Lakers fans taking an opportunity to try to say negative things about the Lakers, try to say it's ridiculous to raise a tournament banner, all this stuff. And I understand, you know, I, I, this is not, this is not an NBA championship. It's not a championship. So why raise a championship banner? Why does that make Any sense at all? Well, it actually makes perfect sense. And initially, there was a report out that the Lakers, they were not going to raise a banner if they won the in-season tournament. This is before they actually won it. There was a report out that the Lakers, if they won the in-season tournament, they would not raise a banner. Like, the the mantra for the Lakers for years and years and years, it's been, well, basically for, for decades, it's been championship banners. That's it. We're not raising... Pacific division banners or anything like that, who knows what kind of rinky dink operation would raise that kind of banner or even Western conference banners. It's not about raising those either, either it's about championships period. That's all the Lakers are raising. And so I've even seen Lakers fans who are a little bit concerned at this, that suddenly the in-season tournament banner is being raised. And I think we need to look at this two ways. And if you look at this from strictly the Lakers perspective, and you want to go with the the strict line in the sand, the there is no crossing. This is black and white, plain as day. It is not an NBA championship banner. Therefore, it does not get hung in the rafters. Right. There's there's that aspect of it, and I get it. I get it. If you're a Lakers fan and, and you think that should be the case, I understand this franchise they've set. Very, very, very high standards. That's why when people talk about Derek Fisher's number getting retired or Robert Ory's number getting retired, it's never going to happen. Both those guys, legendary Lakers. But the problem is the Lakers have set a standard that's so damn high in order to get a jersey number retired, in order to get a statue out in front, in order to get all of these things, all of this recognition. It's impossible. As great as those guys were. It's not going to happen. Why? Because the standard is so high. And that's part of what separates the Lakers from other teams in the NBA. Because the standard's high. Why? Because they have this history of success. You want to get your jersey retired by another franchise? Well, it's, it's certainly a lot lower. It's a lot lower of a bar to clear. You want to get a banner up in, up there in the, in the rafters? Maybe a Western Conference championship is enough for some teams. Not the Lakers. That's not enough. So why then do I find myself actually siding on the, yes, you hang a banner side? Well, for a few reasons, I think we need to, while you can look at this from strictly the Lakers perspective and say, it's not a championship banner, therefore it doesn't get, get hung in the rafters. I think we need to look at this from a league wide perspective. We need to look at a league wide perspective. And here's why, here's why. If this is going to work, if the in-season tournament is going to become a thing where a decade from now, we look back at a tournament that has now become revered, we look back and we say, ah, but the Lakers were first. The Lakers were the first ones to ever win it, and LeBron James was the first ever in-season tournament MVP. 50 years from now, maybe people are looking at this in-season tournament and saying, man, it'd be great to win this title. Maybe this is something that franchises are looking back fondly at. Are counting the number of tournament champions they've won. Same thing as the NBA championship. Now, again, do I think that this is ever going to be on the same footing as the Larry O'Brien? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's meant to be. I don't think anybody is running around saying this is the equivalent of an NBA championship. It's not. Nobody's making that case. But if this is going to become something special, how is it ever going to get there? If the Lakers right out of the gate say, no, we're not hanging that banner because here's the problem. What we're talking about is precedent. What happens now? Let's say the Lakers say, well, we're the Lakers. (laughs) We're the Lakers. We hang championships. That's it. Nothing else. And the Lakers don't hang that banner. What happens next year? What if it's a different team? that Hopefully it's the Lakers. Hopefully the Lakers win it forever. But what if it's a different team? What if it's somebody else that wins it? I don't know. Let's say the Orlando Magic, this young up-and-coming team. This young up-and-coming Orlando Magic team, they win it, and they decide, you know what, we want to hang a banner. It instantly looks bad for them. Right? Doesn't that instantly, because people will say, "Well, well, the Lakers didn't hang that banner, yet you guys are hanging it. Therefore, you're not, you're clearly, you're not on the same footing as the Lakers. It's not good enough for the Lakers, yet it's good enough for you guys. Okay. On top of that, on top of that, you're setting that precedent. Let's say the Orlando Magic, then they they go the other way. And they say, well, the Lakers didn't hang the banner. So we're not going to hang it either. This isn't a championship. We're not going to hang this banner either. It's not an NBA championship. We're not going to hang this banner either. How does this tournament ever hit that level of prestige if the Lakers set the precedent that it doesn't matter all that much, that it doesn't mean, doesn't mean enough to them to go in the rafters? If the Lakers don't forge that path now, how does it ever break out of that cycle? The Lakers set The precedent and we've seen this happen for a long time you know you guys know i'm a former history teacher i always go to history george washington could have stayed president of the united states as long as you wanted there were no rules on the books they're trying to limit the number of years that a president had or the number of terms that a president had in office wasn't until much later until after fdr wound up with four terms in office that they decided to limit the number of terms that a president could have limited it to two consecutive terms. Now, at this point, though, George Washington, two terms in office that said, you know what? It's not good for people to just stay and hang on to power. So I'm going to bow out. Two terms and, I, and I'm done. I want to set the precedent. I want to set the footsteps in the in the sand for everybody else to follow George Washington is the the rock star at the time. Everybody's going to follow what he did. That's the opportunity the Lakers have right now. If the Lakers set the precedent that this banner does not get hung, either teams are going to look bad into the future. Teams will either look bad by hanging the banner because people will say, well, clearly you're not on the Lakers level then. Or they're going to follow what the Lakers did. They're not going to hang the banner. And then how does the tournament pick up steam? So the Lakers, I think, and, and by the way, I I can't say this with certainty. I have not specifically heard this from Lakers personnel, but I would have to imagine the NBA front offices, the NBA offices, Adam Silver, are probably pretty insistent on the Lakers hanging this banner, right? They They want this tournament to work. It doesn't look good if the Lakers don't, hang this tournament banner so that's part of this too but from an NBA from a league-wide perspective big picture again this is the way I look at things from a historical perspective if you want this thing to really work and you want to someday have people be talking about the in-season tournament be talking about the tournament how important this championship is you need the Lakers to set you on that path And I think the NBA was incredibly fortunate that this Lakers team did what they did, that LeBron turned it up when he turned it up, that Anthony Davis did, that the entire team did because the Lakers winning something generates the eyeballs. Now the Lakers have to put the exclamation point on that by putting a banner up in their rafters. And I think they're doing it right. They're doing it right because they are not treating this the same as a championship. No, what they're doing is they're putting up a single banner, one banner. It's not like if the Lakers win it next year, a second banner is not going up. If the Lakers win five Larry O'Brien trophies, they win five NBA championships in a row, you're getting five banners in the Raptors. Not going to happen with the in-season tournament. You win 10 in a row. All that's going to happen is one banner. One banner, and every year that you win it, that year is going to be added to that banner. So again, you're differentiating it. It's going to be a different shape. different. It's going to look completely different than the championship banners. So you're kind of satisfying the best of both worlds, right? You're not hanging it up there as a championship banner, as an NBA title. You're making it clear that it's something different, but at the same time, you're also showing the league. You're also setting that precedent for the future that it means something, that it's not worthless, right? That all of the the haters, that are running around screaming that this doesn't mean anything, that it doesn't even count, the final didn't even count as a regular season game, so this is meaningless, and that the Lakers shouldn't even celebrate it at all, and, and all of this stuff. Aren't they just validated if the Lakers themselves don't even hang the banner up there? say so See, it doesn't even matter anything matter to the Lakers themselves. Again, I don't particularly care what the, the haters say, but that's the narrative that would be out there. So anyway, I think this makes a lot of sense from a historical perspective, trying to project into the future. And I like that they've kind of hedged a bit by not making this a championship banner, by not trying to put it on the same footing as that, by making it so clear that it's something different. I think the Lakers are doing it right. I think the league's doing it right. I think the league needs the Lakers to hang this banner. And someday, maybe five years from now, maybe 10 years from now, maybe 20, We might be looking back right now and saying, man, thank goodness the Lakers put that banner up and the Lakers winning the first in-season tournament set us on a path towards now. We've got this blast of a tournament. We've got high-level competition every year in November and December, whatever months they decide to hold it in. We've got this wonderful tournament, and the Lakers are the ones who set us on the path to building this. We're not getting there. We're not getting there unless the Lakers put the exclamation point on the in-season tournament and put that banner up. Let's talk Gabe Vincent. So Shams Tarania revealed that Gabe Vincent is targeting December 18th for his return to the Lakers, for his return to the purple and gold. And look, that's going to be a, a home game against the Knicks. December 18th, home game against the Knicks. Gabe Vincent returning to the Lakers. So that gives us almost a week. Now, Vincent has not played in a while. Played the first four games of the season. That was it. Fourth game, that would have been October 30th against Orlando. Since then, he's been out dealing with a knee issue. Gabe Vincent's not been been available since that time. I think this is good news for the Lakers on a couple of fronts. Like obviously a player getting healthy period. That's that's good news, right? Players getting healthy, getting back out on the courts. Good news. And I know a lot of Lakers fans right now are very down on, on Gabe Vincent. Now I talked about this a little bit uh, yesterday, actually, when I was traveling back um, from my trip, I I took a trip out to Orlando. I was traveling back. I was in the airport and the Gabe Vincent news broke. And so if you watched over on the YouTube channel, I recorded a video from the airport and, Apparently there was a guy over my my shoulder that was like watching the whole video. I, he actually came up to me and talked. People in the comments were all worried that, that like the that the guy was staring a little too intently or something. Super nice guy, actually. Um, I talked to him a little bit afterwards. He's a big, big Lakers fan. So he was listening. But um anyway, I talked about this a little bit on that that video. That Lakers fans, right now, kind of down on Gabe Vincent. Like when we talk trade, and part of this is just natural, Gabe Vincent has been out of sight, out of mind, he is often the guy that fans are throwing into deals as $11 million in matching salary, and that's it. Not assigning him any real encore value, just treating him as a throw-in in order to make the math work on a trade. And, well, maybe that's the path that we see the Lakers go down ultimately by the February 8th trade deadline. I also think, and if it is, you do need Gabe Vincent back out on the floor and playing well in order to you know, increases his, his trade value. So that's certainly something. But I also think that we haven't really gotten a sense of what Gabe Vincent is or isn't. So when we look at him shooting 7% from three on the season and people just say, well, this, this is a bust of a signing. He's he's not worth anything. Don't, you know, just leave him on the bench. That's, that's the reaction that I've seen. Why? He's coming back. Boy, okay, fine. He's not getting off the bench. Still sit over there. No, I I think Gabe Vincent was very good for the Miami Heat last year. I think if you're looking at this and assuming, if we're taking it, sometimes this is dangerous. We take what we see from the beginning of the season. And this is with healthy players too. Whatever is established at the beginning of the season, that narrative is really hard to undo. So if somebody's playing great for the first 10 games of the season, the casual fan will still think that player's doing that in January. If a player is playing terribly to start the season that will perpetuate as well. And it can be really tough to undo that narrative for Gabe Vincent. It's even more difficult because he's played four games and yet he was bad in those four. He couldn't hit anything. Couldn't hit a shot. And so that idea, that negative perception, it still lingers around Gabe Vincent. And so fans aren't really excited for him to come back. Now I think again, the Lakers, They signed him for a reason. He came in to kind of replace that Dennis Schroeder role uh, on the team. I don't believe he's a 7% from three three three-point shooter. I don't think that's a hot take at all. I would be shocked if he finished the season as a 7% three-point shooter, assuming he plays enough games from here on out. Gabe Vincent is a much better shooter than this. Now, is he a a great three-point shooter on his career? Nah, not really, but he can take and make some big shots. He is very reliant on his pull-up jumper, but the Lakers... They could still use a little bit more scoring firepower. Maybe he can give you a bit of that. But I'll tell you one thing that Darvin Ham's going to have to be really careful with. It's the rotation. Because guess what? The Lakers, they brought him in thinking, we're going to replace Dennis Schroeder with Gabe Vincent. We're going to bring him in. He's going to take over that role. He's going to be the third guy. It's going to be Austin. It's going to be D'Lo. They're the starters at the one and the two. Gabe Vincent rotates in. All three guys are playing 30-ish minutes. Maybe Gabe Vincent's playing a little bit less like we saw with Schroeder last season. And off we go. That's our guard rotation. Boom. But guess what? Since Gabe Vincent went out, everything has changed. Why? Why? Well, Cam Reddish has been much better defensively than I think anybody predicted. And so now Gabe Vincent is coming in to a team where it's made much more sense instead of doing what they did last year, having three kind of point guards just rotate and one's playing the two almost all the time. Instead, the Lakers have all this wing depth and a way to get more of the wings onto the floor is to play Cam Reddish at the two. And the wing depth has been a big plus for the Lakers. It's a big part of the reason why the Lakers defense has been so good. When you've got wings now, back and healthy, Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, right? Torian Prince is part of this. Even Max Christie is the rookie. He's been doing some good things defensively. Where does Gabe Vincent fit in all of this? Specifically since the role that he was brought in to play to be the third point guard style player in the rotation It doesn't exist anymore. That role is gone. The way last year's team played is gone. The reason for that is because of the wing depth, because now the Lakers deploy this army of long limbed wings that get into passing lanes that defend the hell out of people and that are going to be giving the Pacers nightmares for a long time because of the job they did defensively. Look what they did to the Pelicans, what they did in this tournament. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. What we need to expect from this Lakers team moving forward. But the bottom line is that this team is simply better when they're bigger. When you're playing Cam at the two. Occasionally, yeah, Austin's still going to get minutes out there with D'Lo. But where do the Gabe Vincent minutes come in? Do you want to take minutes away from Cam in order to get him on the floor? Maybe it's Max Christie. And I hate to say it because I like what we've seen defensively out of Max. But maybe it's the 10-ish minutes or so that Max Christie's getting that are going to go away. And Gabe Vincent's going to get those. And maybe he can do enough things defensively to where you're not losing too much and you get a veteran player that can still score the ball, that can light things up, give you a little bit different look. That's probably the most likely outcome. Because so far, this Lakers team, what has really allowed them to hit this next level, it's yes, it's LeBron, it's AD, really picking it up during tournament games. But it's also guys getting healthier and the Lakers being able to focus more on getting all of these wings out on the floor. Constantly having these super switchy, tall, we're talking guys who are six-eight, long wingspan, versatile. They can rebound. They can protect the paint a little bit, but they can also step outside, give you a little bit of shooting. Some of them more than others, of course, but they have that kind of versatility and size to their game. And it allows the Lakers to do a lot of things on both ends of the floor. I don't think you want to go away from that just because, because Gabe Vincent is coming back. It's like the beginning of of The Walking Dead, right? Where Rick wakes up from the coma, and suddenly the world is very different than the one that he remembered. That's, that is, is Gabe Vincent right now. The Lakers rotation that he walked into the first four games of the season, it's very different now. A lot has changed since he's been out. And I'm really fascinated to see how does Darvin Ham approach this? How does he reintegrate Gabe Vincent, even from a financial perspective? The answer can't be he doesn't. You're paying him $11 million per year. He's under contract for three years. You brought him in for a reason. Maybe that reason isn't the same anymore, but you still, you can't pay him $11 million and say, well, we don't need you. We're not going to try. You've got to find a way. And I think he still is a good player. So you have to find a way to use him. You have to find a way to make it work. And at some point, maybe Austin picks up a little nagging injury. Maybe Delo does. And then you're really glad that you've got Gabe Vincent to immediately step into those minutes. But for the time being, I'm really curious to see how does does Darvin get Gabe Vincent onto the floor? How does he do it? How does he do it without messing with the secret sauce that has been behind this Lakers defensive resurgence. And that is the army of wings. How do you not go away from that and still get those minutes to Gabe Benson? It's going to be fascinating to see how Darvin Ham handles it. All right. We need to talk about tonight's game. need to talk about Lakers Mavs. We need to talk about, to talk about um, what is next for the Lakers, what we're expecting to see out of this Lakers team now that they are the in-season tournament champions but before we get to it quick shout out to our sponsor and that is underdog now underdog fantasy is the easiest place to f- to play fantasy sports it's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry their pick 'em game is absolutely fantastic pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night pick between 2 and 5 players to build a pick 'em entry You can also make rivals picks, which pits two players against each other, i.e. which player will have more points. That's always fun, too, when you make rivals selections. So definitely a lot of different options to check out over at Underdog Fantasy. And you can sign up today with promo code LakersNation and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit UnderdogFantasy.com, find them in the App Store, and don't forget to register with our promo code LakersNation. To get your first deposit doubled up to $100, must be 18 or older and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Let's get to it. Tonight's game. Lakers-Mavs. Lakers on the road for this one. However... Then the Lakers, by the way, this is the first leg of a back-to-back. Lakers play tomorrow night against uh, the Spurs. So first night of a back-to-back for the Lakers. However, it's also the second night of a back-to-back for the Mavs. And the Mavs will not have Kyrie Irving, who's dealing with an injury. So Luka, last night against the Memphis Grizzlies on the road, by the way, in Memphis... The Mavs played Luca forty-four minutes. Now he went berserk for thirty-five points, eight boards, six assists, and the Mavs won the game. But nonetheless, Luca had to play forty-four minutes. Dante Exum, remember him? Blast from the past. Yeah, he's with the Mavs. He's starting. Started uh, last night against the Grizzlies, and he had to play thirty-five minutes. Big minutes being logged by the Mavs. The, the Grizzlies did enough to make the Mavs really exert themselves to win this game. The Grizzlies actually won the fourth quarter by 10, which caused the Mavs a little bit of a little bit of, you know, trouble. They had to worry just a bit, but had to play their guys big minutes. So second night of a back to back for the Mavs, Lakers will have a rest advantage despite playing in the in-season tournament, playing the extra game. By virtue of winning the in-season tournament by playing in the final game, that means the Lakers will play 83 games this season instead of 82. Now, remember, the in-season tournament game, unfortunately, doesn't count towards their record, doesn't count towards their stats, which, I mean, that's that's a shame for Anthony Davis, who had such an incredible, incredible game that none of those stats will count towards his actual official stats. I think for all the things that are, and we're going to get to the matchup, but for all the things that the in-season tournament needs to fix, And I think the floors are part of it too, but that's one of them. Like you shouldn't have the final game, just not count towards your regular season standings. And I don't know the exact solution. I'd have to really sit down and brainstorm and figure out, because I know logistically, it's hard to make sure everybody plays 82 games and and all of that, but there should be a better answer than just, well, we just won't count it. If this is, if this tournament is supposed to really mean something and you're making sure that teams are being competitive, by having these games count as regular season games, then the final game needs to count for something too in terms of the regular season. It needs to. And the stats need to count. The stats need to count. But anyway, the Lakers get a Mavs team that's on the second night of a back-to-back. Lakers are at a rest advantage. However, as much as we want to get into the X's and O's and the Mavs are, look, they shoot a ton of threes. If they shoot at a high percentage, they're going to be really tough to beat. If they don't, they're very beatable. And this Mavs team has been better than we thought they'd be so far this season. They are 14 and eight on the season right now in the standings. The Mavs are currently the three seed, but the Lakers just a half a game behind Dallas currently. Lakers 14 and nine, Mavs 14 and eight. So the Lakers can make some progress up in the standings if they're able to get this win tonight. But Dallas has been a really good three point shooting team. They can get hot in an instant. And if you happen to catch them on a heater, well, That's probably the end of your night. That's just how good they are um, shooting the three. So that's going to be a challenge for the Lakers. But the biggest thing, as much as we get into the X's and O's, and okay, you're going to put Cam Reddish on Luka, you're going to throw Jared Vanderbilt at Luka. Oh, my goodness. Remember last year, Jared Vanderbilt making Luka's life miserable? We'll see if that happens again we see if that happens again. Certainly would go a long way towards helping the Lakers get a win. But again, the Mavs shoot 37% from three. They're up there in terms of attempts. In fact, they're number one right now in three-point attempts per game. If they get hot from deep, it's tough to beat them. But the other side of this for the Lakers, it's what now? Now what happens? I can tell you this there's going to be a letdown. There's, they're not going to continue playing the way they did during the tournament. And I'm not saying that to say the tournament was fake or, or they're not they're playing above their heads or anything like that. No, no, no. What I'm saying is there was a burst of emotion that went into the tournament. Typically, there is some fatigue that comes after that kind of emotional outburst that we saw from the Lakers. Them caring so much about this tournament them getting in there and giving it their all taking their game to a next level, which by the way is incredibly comforting because that was the big knock on this Lakers team that we had never seen them really take it to the next level that they kept losing to good teams. They could only beat bad teams. We'd never seen them really play good basketball. Now we have, now we have, we've seen this team play and play well. And that gives me more more confidence for April, for May, for June, hopefully fingers crossed. But what energy do the Lakers bring? Because we can focus on the Mavs and are they going to hit the three? And what's Luka going to do second night of a back-to-back? We can talk about how the Lakers are going to defend everything and all of that. But what's the energy like from the Lakers? How much of a letdown is there? there it's not is there going to be a, a, a letdown. There is. That's coming. You can't sustain the level that the Lakers were playing at all season. Nor do you want to. Nor do you want to. When you see the Lakers come out, and not have the same energy, that's okay. That's okay. That's not something to get frustrated about. Now, to a degree, right? If they come out and they're completely lethargic and don't care about the game at all and don't look like they want to be there, okay, that's a different story. But if they don't look like they are putting in the same energy, the same intensity as we saw during the tournament, that's what you expect. That's what you expect. And if they're going to have anything in the tank for the playoffs, They can't play every game the way they played the tournament. I think it's part of the reason why the Lakers got bounced in the Western Conference Finals. It's not just that Denver was a good team, and that's a huge part of it. Denver take nothing away from the Denver Nuggets, but the Lakers ran out of gas. Why? Because they were holding down the turbo button from the all-star break last year on. Every game for them was a playoff game because they weren't going to make it if they didn't approach it that way. And so from the middle of February all the way through to May, eventually, eventually you run out of turbo, you run out of gas in the tank. And that's exactly what happened. So you can't do that for an entire season. You just can't. So how big of a letdown do we see from the Lakers? How big of an energy drop do we get? What does LeBron look like? LeBron took his game to another level. He's taking charges, doing all this stuff that we're not used to seeing him do in November. He knows he needs to stop that. He knows he can't play at that level all season long. He won't have anything left come playoff time if he does. The Lakers don't want him to do that. This team was built for LeBron James to not have to bear this burden. That's part of why they've got so much wing depth. So now it's, can you transition into still being a good defensive team while knowing that you're not probably not going to fly all over the floor quite the same way. It's not going to look exactly the same in terms of the intensity. And again, that's okay. That's actually a a good thing. But then how can the Lakers shift? And it may take time away from a LeBron does a lot of the heavy lifting team to a LeBron does some of the heavy lifting. And they're going to get an odd game here or there from Rui where he puts up 20 points. And you're going to get a bigger game out of D'Angelo Russell now and then. He's going to go off for 25 points. Or Austin Reeves is going to take on more of the burden. Whatever, you're going to share that burden, that weight, a bit more. And in the meantime, can you find a way to, instead of dropping in terms of your energy and your intensity, instead of dropping way down, and next thing you know, you're blowing games to, I don't know, the Spurs later on this week. Instead of dropping way down, to the point where you're not at a competitive level. How do you just take your foot off the gas a little bit? Just a little bit. Instead of going 100 miles an hour, how do you cruise along at 70? Can you do that? Sometimes not an easy thing. Sometimes you take your foot off a little too much. Next thing you know, whoops, I'm going 55. Okay, need to step down a little bit more. But how the Lakers manage that? that energy dump that they just that they just experienced, what does that look like against the Mavs? That, I think, more than the X's knows, more than how do the Lakers defend the three-point line, what do they do with Derek Lively when he's rolling to the basket, what's the Lakers' center rotation, does Christian Wood get back into it? There's so many different questions around this team, but none of it matters as much as how do the Lakers manage the energy? It's going to drop off, but what exactly does that look like? It needs to drop off. But can you find that fine line of we're going to have our energy drop down a little bit. But we're still putting in enough to get some wins. And we're going to get our first glimpse of that tonight against uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Now one of the things that I want to mention before we wrap up the show here. The players are also finding their roles. And I think this is something that's important. And some of the players have talked about this already. This is one way that you can mitigate this energy dump that's that's coming, that's here. It's with everybody performing more efficiently. Right? Work smarter, not harder. One of the ways that you can do that is by having clearly defined roles where everybody knows exactly what it is they're supposed to do. And I think now the guys are healthy, and this is maybe where the return of Gabe Vincent can throw a wrench into things. But right now, it feels like most guys on this team, if not every player, has a real sense now of what their role is, what the team needs them to do. Now, again, these roles are going to shift a little bit. LeBron needs to take a step back a bit. AD probably needs to take a step back a bit. Some other guys have got to step up. So there's going to be some shifting, some some morphing here from the roles, but not a lot. You still need Rui to do Rui things. You still need Vando to do Vando things and on and on. The fact that these guys, now that this team is healthy, are starting to settle in to these roles, that can help you. That can help. Why? Because then you're not burning that that nervous energy of, I don't know what it is I'm going to do today. Today I'm being asked to do this. Tomorrow I'm being asked to do something else. I'm having to fill this role up. Five more guys are out. Next thing you know, I've got to play 40 minutes when really I'm a 20-minute off-the-bench guy. My role has completely changed. I'm being asked to do things that are above my pay grade. That's hard. That's difficult for a team to operate at peak efficiency.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast that's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: now though the lakers have guys healthy guys are settling into what their roles are supposed to be this is why sometimes when you see you see a star or a an all-star or even just a good role player as they get older, right? You take a guy like Nicholas Batum is the guy I always think of. He did, a, he did a ton of things for the Blazers, right? He had to do a lot of different stuff. Super versatile Swiss Army knife style player. He goes to the Hornets and same thing. Do a bunch of things for us. We need you to create. We need you to handle the ball. We need you to pass. We need you to defend, hit outside shots. All these things, right? Well, Suddenly, his efficiency just starts dropping. Obviously, he gets older. His efficiency drops and drops and drops and drops. And people are saying, oh, he's washed. He's not the guy he used to be, all that. Gets bought out. Goes to the Clippers. Suddenly, he's a playable player again. Suddenly, he looks he looks good. Why? Because his role has shifted. Because no longer is he being asked to do 10 different things in a game. Now he's just being asked to defend, like, defend to the best of your ability and occasionally knock in an open three. That's what he's being asked to. That's the primary role. And suddenly, guess what? The efficiency goes up. He's defending better. Because he's not focusing on doing 10 different things. Not 25 anymore, where he can do 10 different things all game, every game. The same holds true within a team itself. Not necessarily just for aging players, but you're going to get better efficiency out of players when players have a very clearly defined role, and that role isn't we need you to do everything because everybody else is hurt. We're starting to see that from the Lakers. And again, that's one way that they can mitigate this energy dump that they're going to see. It's the players settling into roles. I think it also leads to happier players because they have a better understanding of exactly what it is they need to do and what success really looks like for them individually. But it also takes me back because I'll never forget the 2019-2020 season, media day. Jared Dudley is being interviewed. And he's asked about the team. And he brings up that phrase, the one that I use on our postgame shows now, star in your role. Star in your role. Just be a star in your role. That was the mantra of this team, of that, that championship team. And everybody knew exactly what their role was. Except for one. Except one player had no idea what his role was. You know what that was? Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma didn't know what his role was. And Dudley even shared this because the coaches didn't know what his role was. He was too versatile. He could do too many things. Did he need to be a starter? Did he need to be an off-the-bench scorer? Was he going to defend on the perimeter? Was he going to be a floor spacer for you? Did you want the ball in his hands and have him running pick and roll? There were too many options with him. And so he was the one player on the team that didn't know his role. So when people talk about that championship team and we talk about how that team hit the ground running, came out of the gates just flying, they were instantly good. And that is very much an outlier thing that doesn't happen when teams are first put together. Why did that team do it? Because everyone knew their role. So when I hear the guys talking about how they're getting a better understanding of their role and how it feels like everyone is settling into their role, I don't want to overlook how important that is And again, how that's something that could potentially, to some degree, mitigate a lower energy team, which we are naturally going to see after the tournament, understanding their roles and operating at higher efficiency can be a big, big help for this Lakers team. And it's a good sign when guys are telling you they are getting a sense of what their role is and they're settling in to that role, that consistency, that chemistry, that cohesion that can really be built. In times like these, when guys have a true understanding of what the team needs from them in order to win basketball games. All right. That's going to do it for me today. Do appreciate everybody joining. We will be live over on Playback tonight. Playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Come watch Lakers versus Mavs with us. See if the tournament champions can get back to regular season play with a win. Don't forget, subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Smash that like button as well. And then over on the podcast side, great way to help out the show. Give us a five star rating or review over on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. They have a rating system as well. Wherever you listen to podcasts, throw us a rating. Good way to help out. All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining the show. Till next time, see ya and stay safe.